The sun is shining in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carey. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. Live. Brian sends one a deep left way. T.C. Martin Show. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Less than a month away from spring training starting. A little bit of baseball. Glad to have you. Hour number two of the program. Of course, talking a lot of football today. National championship game tonight. NFL. We will get to that a little bit later on. But wanted to uh, touch upon very sad news that we uh, talked to you a little bit about on Friday. The passing of uh, Tommy Lasorda died at the age of 93 on Friday from cardiac arrest. He was in the hospital for the past seven weeks, came home from the hospital the day before, and uh, unfortunately, uh, one of the icons of Major League Baseball passes away at the age of 93. And uh, wanted to have uh, our good friend Steve Saxon, who obviously played for Tommy Lasorda, know, knew the man very, very well, won two World Series championships under Tommy Lasorda, of course, in, in 81 and 88. And uh, Saxy, what's going on, my friend? How you doing? I'm doing okay, TC. How about yourself? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you taking the time today, and I know that uh, you know it's the last few days probably been kind of hard for for you, you know, hearing about all this news. And so I'd like you you to kind of take us back when you initially heard about the passing of Tommy Lasorda on Friday. What your thoughts were, and and, and how did that hit you when you first heard about it? Well, it's uh, I had talked to Tommy uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and. Um, you know, I'd uh, been keeping in touch with him while he was in the hospital. He was in the hospital for about a month. Um, but he'd had several bouts with, you know, having to go in and out of the hospital um, and um, had a few issues uh, as far as the heart goes. Um, and so every time, you know, I would talk to him, you could tell that his voice was a little bit weaker. Um, uh, his cognitive abilities were slipping quite a bit. And so you know, you could kind of tell that the time was coming. Um, so it wasn't a complete shock to anybody, but, you know, nonetheless, it doesn't numb the, uh, the pain of, uh, of losing somebody that you were close to like that. So it's, uh, it's reminiscent of when, you know, I lost my dad when he was only 47, which was kind of the same thing. You know, he had heart disease early in his life, and we knew that it was probably just a matter of time before, you know, the end would come. So it was, it was kind of the same thing with Tommy, only he was fortunate to live about twice as long as my dad. So anyway, tough thing. Yes, yes. So, Steve, how would you categorize you know, uh, Tommy in comparison to 
to other managers, other the great managers. I mean, anytime you win two World Series, uh, you know, titles. I mean, obviously, you're going to be considered one of the greats. Where do you rank him mm-hmm. as far as some of the great managers that we've seen in Major League Baseball over time? Oh, he's uh, he he's uh, there won't be any other managers like him. Um, you know, there won't be any replacements for Tommy Lasorda. He was, uh, you know, he was one only one guy like that. He was uh, very much an old school, was not politically correct. Um, you know, he knew what sabermetrics were. Sabermetrics, by the way, has been around a long time, a lot longer than people think. Uh, and, you know, he so he knew what the odds were of having this guy in or that guy in, but he always went with his gut all the time. Um, he would only have the number back up as, you know, maybe a, a reaffirmation of what he thought in his gut. Um, and he was always going to manage by what he saw and how he had his finger to the pulse as far as, the moment and that's one of the reasons why he was successful we know that when he was a third base coach there's iconic footage of him talking to himself and the other players in that all the time what was it like when he was the manager of the team and sitting on the bench next to him was was he just as chatty and talkative on the bench and his players did you guys just sometimes kind of look over there like maybe shaking your head but maybe smiling at the same time well you know everybody has their own style um and Tommy was a guy that was uh, very approachable. You know, he was always talking to his bench coach. Um, and he was, you know, he, he, there's nobody that liked to laugh more than him. And I think that's why him and I re- kind of resonated with one another pretty well is because, you know, the game is so intense. There's so much at stake that you have to have a release. And if you can do that through laughter, it's a, it's a, great, it's a great equalizer. It's a great elixir to have in your life if you can laugh mostly at yourself. Um, and uh, because when the game starts, it's so, it's so cutthroat. It's so uh, end of the world thinking, you know, that moment of being successful at the time, you'd, you'd run over your brother for a base hit. That's just, that's just the way it is. It's that competitive. Um, and it's that instinctive. It's, it's, you know, the horse is out of the barn and it's just going. Um, so you have to have a balance, and, and Tommy was good at that. He was good at laughter. He loved jokes. He, he loved to laugh. But when the game started, there was nobody more intense. And um, maybe the the uh, the ardent way that uh, he was a fan of laughter and everything was just part of that intensity. So the term you just used there about you know running over your brother, I mean, that's pretty literal for you. I mean, you know, your brother is a former major <laughs> leaguer too. That ever happened? You run over Dave? What well, happened there, huh? No, no, but maybe I should have said run over my mother. Um, <laughs> you know, that term is used. Uh, never had to run over my brother. Um, I'm, I'm glad that my brother and I were teammates a lot, right. you know, in the same organization. Right. Uh, so never never really had to do it. And only really played against my brother once when he was with the Red Sox in a spring training game. And um, he was in competition with another guy trying to make the team with the Red Sox. And so – we stole about 12 bases that day on the guy that was catching uh, other than my brother. So we wanted to show the guy up. Love it. He is Steve Sachs, two-time World Series champion with those Dodger teams playing for Tommy Lasorda and giving some thoughts and memories of the late, great uh, Dodgers manager. You know, Steve, you've been around a lot of managers in clubhouses, your playing career, coaching career, and, and even broadcasting career. Uh, how mm-hmm. are those years like with Tommy and compare his clubhouse to others? Um, he, well, that's a great question because uh, his clubhouse was truly 
um, emblematic of what a family was like. Uh, his door was always open. Um, if he had to tell you something serious and yell at you, he certainly wouldn't do it in front of your teammates. If he had to say something that was constructive criticism, he certainly wouldn't say it in front of the press. Um, he had something to say to you. He went in his office and closed the door, and if he had to air you out, and there's times where he's done that to me, and we almost got in a fight a couple times, and and then after the it's over, you know, he'd kiss you on the cheek, and, you know, being the strong Italian that he is, and he'd uh, say, okay, let's, let's uh, bring the guys in here now. Let's have some dinner, you know, or in the clubhouse, or, you know, let's, uh, let's talk about this joke that you were telling, or something like that. It was over. I mean, it was over with him. He buried it. Um, and he was so respectful about, uh, you know, he, he never cut on the guy. When Steve Howe was having his drug problems, he would not. He would not say anything denigrating Steve Howe in the in the press. He just he just wouldn't do it. That's the way he was. He was absolutely loyal to his to uh, his players, and that's one of the reasons why players would just run through a wall for him. You saw how hard the Dodger players played. It's it's because Tommy got that out of him. See, I'm just dying to know what did he say to you when he got on you. I mean, what did you do, oh. Steve, to get to get Tommy Lasorda riled up with you? Uh, well, I remember, I remember one time, this is, this is a little story I'll share with you. Um, I, it was in Pittsburgh and I was having a bad year in 84. I think he had 240 something. It was just a bad year. And I was coming back to the dugout and I was just so ticked. And Tommy was standing there with the coaches and he had his arms crossed, kind of looking at me like, no, you're kind of disgusted in you right now. <laughs> and I took my helmet and I threw my helmet into the bat rack. Right. Yeah. Or at least I tried to. And I was, as I was coming down, downward to throw my helmet in the back rack, back rack, it kind of slipped off my hand. It went to the side, and I hit Tommy Lasorda right in the face with my helmet. And, oh, I was scared to death. I thought I was done. I thought I was going to be kicked off the team. He started sliding down the walls, choking on his gums. like, oh, oh, oh. Coaches had to hold him up. I thought I, thought I was done. So, oh my yeah, I... I did hit Tommy in the face with my helmet on accident one time. But then again, you know, it was all good later, right? <laughs> oh, it was all good later. No, no, no. He, he, oh. I, I, I profoundly, you know, apologized, right. and I should have, uh, and I felt terrible about it, and that's a good way to get kicked off the team, uh, <laughs> and I just felt awful about it. Oh, and so, I, I, you know, I never threw my helmet with the Dodgers, I don't think, after that. Of course, when I went to the Yankees, I broke six helmets in one year. Um, so, anyway, <laughs> when I went to the Yankees, that, 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 that vision of Tommy sliding down the wall kind of was erased in my mind. So Great stuff. You mentioned how Tommy was one of those managers that, you know, what happens on the field under the clubhouse and that it stays within the team and the organization, kind of old school mm -hmm. way. How painful is it for you these days when you see so many players and coaches and managers when they do bring the media involved and they start feuds in that mm -hmm. in the media instead of keeping it in the clubhouse where a lot of people, myself included, believe it belongs? Yeah, it, it's disgusting when you see stuff like that. And a lot of it has to do with social media. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of social media. I think people just can't get by themselves to get the attention to put their, their personal lives on social media. I just... I just don't understand it. I don't know why, what you gain from that. You have nothing to gain from it. Anyway, so he, uh, you know, today, today he would, he would just not stand for it. I mean, that is one of the sacred things about a locker room is that is, 
that is private land. That is an oasis. I mean, there's things that go on. You tell your friends in the locker room that you know are going to stay there, and that's the way it should be. And same thing for women's locker room. I mean, it should stay in there. You know, that's a that's a sanctuary. You're a team. Um, and today, it's it's the you know I think there's some of that today, but there's also the other side where you know you hear people talk or social media is involved and. It's, you know, the press has to know everything. It's just not the same world today. It's a different world that we live in. You know, we talk about Tommy Lasorda being one of those, you know, big personalities and kind of a, a talker and that sort of thing. And But uh, I know there, there were some stories um, that where you guys would kind of have some fun with him or, or pranked him. In, in, oh, my God. Right? Fun. Right? <laughs> we, did, we did things to Tommy that you wouldn't do to a, a freshman in college. We... <laughs> We we did some unruly things to him. We you know we shredded his clothing on a road trip and sent it to Hawaii. We locked him in his room in, in spring training and tied a, tied his room to a, a to one of the palm trees and undid the uh, the, the telephone uh, you know uh, uh, you know thing that you talk through. What do you call it? The microphone? Yeah, we did the microphone. And he couldn't get out of his room. He was screaming while the game was going on. Let me out of my room, you know. And he was locked in his room. We oh, we did some awful things. And we, you know, we we stripped him down and tied him up with tape before a game and scribbled all over his naked body. We just did some unbelievable things to Tommy. I mean, and uh, he was half of the time giggling as much as he was all ticked off. But we had we had a lot of fun with him. <laughs> So, Steve, you understand that people are, are listening to this and they hear these stories and go, wait a minute, how can this possibly be that these guys are actually tying down their manager and scribbling oh, yeah. on his naked body? They're saying, wait, yeah. no, there's no way in the world. This, this doesn't happen. But it clearly oh, it sure. d- does we, happen. We did a lot more yeah. to him. We did a lot more to him than that. And, 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 of course, he did a lot to us, too. So it was kind of like a push and tug, you know, the whole right. time. But. You know, he'd walk onto the field in spring training. They'd play. They'd play the song "Hail to the Chief" on the on the <laughs> and my, on the on the intercom system. Of course, we would throw baseballs at him as he was walking in, and we just, you know, we just we had a lot of fun with him. Lots of fun that you, that you just don't see today. I mean, you, you will not see that today. It's so it's so corporate and you know, image driven and whatever. But we didn't care. We had we had a lot of fun with him. Those were the good old times right there. So when you would scribble on him, what did you write? <laughs> well, it, it's kind of a long. Is this Quake, by the way? No, no, Quake, 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 Quake's off. That's 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 uh, Ballpark Frank. Go ahead, okay. Quake, Quake okay, is ball, still recruiting. Sorry, Frank. Yeah. I, I didn't know. I didn't know if I was talking to Frank or or to Quake. Right. Um, yeah, Quake, so, Quake is listening in the in the comforts of his own home with his oxygen tank. By the way, Quake dropped about eighty pounds. By the way. Oh, okay. That's like a deck chair off the Titanic. That's, that's just great. No, that's great for the quake. No, anyway. So, Tommy the sword. There's, here's the here's one I'll share with you. Tommy was uh, going through the clubhouse uh, on the last day of the season, and preemptively he was talking weeks before that that everybody needs to sign the baseballs uh, that he that he wanted to take home for himself. And he said they're for charity, but probably that he stuck them in his garage, which looks like a, a warehouse. Uh, so he would tell everybody to sign the baseballs, and nobody wanted to. And the last day, with about five minutes left before the last game of the season, he just told everybody in this rant. He was all mad. He said, I told you guys to sign my balls. <laughs> so that's exactly what they did. They grabbed him, <laughs> stripped him down, got the Sharpie out, and they, they signed his baseballs. 
Well, at least they used a Sharpie and not a ballpoint pen. Yeah, yeah Sharpie was probably a little nicer. I, by the way, was just an observer. I wasn't a participant. Uh, but uh, but that's some of the kind of things he did to Tom and Sorta. Oh, too funny. Steve Sachs sharing some great memories uh, about uh, Tommy Lasorda. Steve, best quality yeah. he had? Oh, his, his interpersonal relationship skills were off the chart. Off the chart. He could remember names. He could recollect facts. His comedic timing was unparalleled. He was the best public speaker I ever heard. He would do it with no notes. He, he, he could incorporate what the, what the company wanted as far as driving the point home while he, why he was there, um, making fun, uh, remembering people's names, uh, you know, doing it sequentially in the right order. Uh, he was, he was, Unbelievable as a public speaker, and as far as the manager, those interpersonal skills that he had to remember somebody's name, to make them feel like they were the most important person in the world, to, uh, you know, really be, uh, you know, the real deal as far as, you know, having that family atmosphere. He really believed that. He really lived it. He, he lived in the same house. He lived on West Maxim Street in, in Fullerton. His whole life with the Dodgers, over 70 years. He, he could have bought who knows how many mansions with all the money that he made. He lived in the same three-bedroom, two-bath house in some neighborhood in Fullerton his whole life. So you've done a lot of public speaking, you know, went into that business say, yourself. Did Tommy have an influence with you as far as you're talking about him being such a great public speaker and everything? Did some of that rub off on you? Oh, it did. I mean, I, I'd hear him when I was a player. Of course, I wasn't a speaker then. Um, That's what I'm saying. But I mean, now, but later on in life, I mean, the, some of those things yeah, that you... Yeah, sure did, because yeah. I remember I remembered how he would do it, you know, his timing. His, uh, one thing I, I learned from him is he says, remember, when you're out there speaking, the most important thing that you can do at a speech is make a connection. And you do that in the first 30 seconds when you get on the stage. And he's absolutely right. I, that's one thing I do today is I remember that. I make a connection with that audience. He said, you don't have to be the smartest guy. You don't have to be a great linguist. Uh, you don't have, I, I, I mean, look at the, uh, the former coach uh, of the, uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Lou Holtz. I mean, the guy's not, doesn't sound good when he speaks, but he's a very highly paid speaker. And just what Tommy said, he makes a connection with the audience. And that's what Tommy was really good at, making a connection with people. This is more a TC type of question here, but I got to ask it because Tommy was renowned for his love of food. What was dinner like with Tommy Lasorda, and did he have a go-to meal? Uh, anything Italian uh, was go-to. Favorite restaurant was Charlie Gito's in St. Louis, Missouri, right around the corner from the ballpark. Um, he loved linguine and uh, anything else that you could throw in front of him. The main thing is if you were dining with Tommy, you just try to keep your hands and feet away from his mouth, and things were fine. You know, that's, that's amazing. And remember this, too, is he, he never stopped eating when he was full. He stopped when his arms got tired. That's actually when he stopped eating. <laughs> the, the knife and the fork could be used as weapons if you get too close. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. I, I mean, i got to tell you guys this one time on an off day. There's another short story I'll, I'll leave you with. Is, uh, we were in, you know, have, had an off day. In June, he said, look, I want you guys to be down at Huntington Beach, at so-and-so beach, uh, at noon. We're going to have a family get-together with all the players and their families, and we're going to have a good time. It's an off day. 
and I expect everybody to be there. So I got down there a little bit early. I got there about 1130, and I noticed that Tommy was on the beach by himself waiting for everybody to show up. He had a French cut Speedo that he was wearing, uh, <laughs> and he was on the beach by himself, and it was astounding. I felt really sorry for him because out of nowhere, six people from Greenpeace came out of the bushes and tried to roll him back in the water. <laughs> it, it was it was just really depressing. Yeah, so, <laughs> unbelievable. All right, yeah. one of the quotes from Tommy Lasorda. He said, "I motivate players through communication, being honest with them, having them respect and appreciate your ability and your help." Tommy Lasorda. That's yeah, that's it. him. That's that's, him. that's uh, exactly what he was about. He was about is uh, he respected the players, and it came back to him in in, in spades. There's no doubt. Steve, great stuff, man. I know, like I said, you not only you played for him, but you were close to him all these years. You just mm-hmm. saw him a, a couple weeks ago. Really appreciate yeah. you as always, my friend, but I appreciate you sharing time uh, and memories about uh, one of the, you one of the great icon uh, guys. You, uh, yeah, he are, was. Are we going to see? Are, are we going to see baseball on time, my friend? What are you thinking? Absolutely, I think we're on time and we're up for a full boat, full schedule. Yeah, excellent. That's stuff. what I'm hearing. There you go. Yeah. All right, my man. We'll look forward to uh, catching you uh, back on with us, and of course, uh, Sirius XM 89, right? Uh, MLB Network yeah. Radio. You're ready to roll, huh? Yeah, MLB Network Radio. You can catch me there. There it is, brother. Uh, All a right. full boat minus one deck chair. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right, Quake. For the Quake. There you go. All right, Steve. Take care, brother. Appreciate it. See ya. All right, there Take he care, is. guys. There he is. Bye-bye. Steve, Steve, Steve Sachs, the two-time All-Star, or the two-time World Series champion, the four-time All-Star. There it is. Great stuff. Great memories. And did I tell you, I did, he would come through with some great stories? Threw a helmet into Tommy's face and still had a job. Uh, yeah. Wow. But, but, when he was having a down season. Well, if anybody knew Saxy, you know, he had a little bit of a temper, and he'll be the first to admit it. Like he said, went to New York. Uh, broke, broke six of them. Yeah, broke six of them in one season. Yeah. His aim got better. Yeah. He started hitting the wall instead of his manager. <laughs> All right. Great stuff uh, from Steve Sachs. Remember, and Tommy Lasorda, again, unfortunately, passes away at the age of 93. But like he said, a lot of the people – you know, knew that it was it was time. He had been in failing health for quite some time, lived a full life at ninety three. And I think a lot of people think, Well, how did he live to be that you know, that old, considering, you know, he was overweight, the way he ate, uh, the way he would you know, he had his his temper and boil over and this and that. And relatively he was still active. I remember seeing him at the World Series last year when they played in Texas. And he was watching the Dodgers win the championship, and he was so happy that they got a chance to, you know, win a World Series since you know last time they won was when he was manager in '88. So, uh, but at that point in time, people knew that his health was failing, but he was able to to still get out and be around people. Had a real zest for life, and it's interesting too because when you think of the Dodgers, so many iconic. I mean, obviously, you think of Colfax and Drysdale and all the players and that, but. To have a manager like Tommy Lasorda, who was such an ambassador for the Dodgers and the game of baseball, and then an announcer like Vin Scully, I mean, some real iconic personalities in there, but uh, Tommy Lasorda is certainly uh, one of the most and most well-known. And, and again, one thing that we do have the luxury of, although Tommy has passed, 
we'll always have the film and the footage and everything. And, you know, the Kirk Gibson home run, his reaction when he was coaching third base, just so many different things. And as, as sad as that day is when somebody passes away, he had a full life at 93, but it's kind of nice reliving all those things again and seeing everything and, and really getting that joy back. And you feel that no matter what age he was, he still had the love of the game like a child. Yes, he did. Managed the Dodgers from 1976 to 96, two World Series, four National League pennants, eight division crowns, manager of the year in the National League twice. And like we said, he won 1,599 games. Just a, a, a great career and, uh, and a great person. Uh, Tommy Lasorda, and appreciate Steve Sachs for sharing those memories with us. Hey, Tommy. That's quite an entrance, I gotta tell That's you. That's right. It's great. He's authentic. He's All right, we'll start awesome. Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. It's good. All right, don't forget to get the William Hill mobile app. It is so easy to use, especially with all the in-game offerings. And you can use that tonight during the Alabama-Ohio State National Championship game. Plenty of in-game wagering options and everything else that you need. And if you don't have the app, it is so easy to do. Just download it on your phone, first of all, and then get over to one of the William Hill Sportsbook properties and deposit at least $50 into a new account. They will match it with another 50 Use that promo code TC50, when you do that, boom, free money in your account. You can't beat it. Use that promo code TC50, William Hill Sportsbooks. Wouldn't that be Alabama against the Ohio State? That's what it'd be. I'm looking forward to that game tonight. We appreciate Houston Nutt for joining us, breaking, uh, I'm breaking nervous. that down. I'm nervous. You got to be nervous. You got to be nervous. But it should be. You know, I get it. I mean, you, you, you want to you win. But you feel you're the second best team. You're getting some points. I want to win. I know. Anyway. End of story. I, I know. Period. That's, that's, I, I, know. I don't care if they cover. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to lose by one. I don't want to lose close. I, I want Ohio State to win the All game. Right. Period. Let's go to the phones. 702-221-7283-221-7283. Outside of the Vegas area, you know the area code seven zero two. You got thoughts that we what we saw with football. You got predictions for tonight's game. Uh, you want to comment about what you heard from Steve Sachs and uh, his thoughts regarding Tommy Lasorda? Let's go to the phones. Talk to Philip. What's up, Philip from Gulf? TC Martin. What's up, brother? What's up? Am I coming in loud and clear? Uh, you are coming in so loud and clear. You're crystal clear, as Jack Nicholson said in uh, A Few Good Men. Crystal. Hello, hello. I haven't called for a while. And uh, love you, TC. So happy and happy New Year well, to th- you and th- the crew. And the crew. And then ha- happy and happy New Year's to you and Jules and G. Too. All right, brother. And Thanks a lot. We're going to miss you. This Me and Richard and, and his family, we're going to miss you for the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, but we understand totally why, so you can keep everything safe. And we'll be back uh, better than ever in 2000, 
22, I guess. Right, TC? Well, hopefully, uh, then, yeah. That that public service announcement from Philip from Galt, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very well, much. I mean, we'll be... We'll be better by then, uh, before then, I hope. But, I mean, yeah, we'll right. be back in the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame um, uh, like you introduced uh, and interviewed uh, the great uh, Steve Sachs. But, TC, let me tell you about uh, two football takes I got. Number one, Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers losing to the Browns. Looks like Big Ben needed a hug there. For, for Looks like he needed a hug, so... He was crying yesterday, so I feel bad. I'll give him a, I'll give him a hug. Come in, bring it in, big, big Ben. <laughs> give me a hug. <laughs> and then take number two. You ready for this, TC? Oh, I'm so ready, Philip. Okay, uh, Coach, uh, Coach Tom Flores. Did you hear about the uh, the campaign and all that they're doing with Coors Light? There, uh, I guess you go to CoorsLight.com, and then they'll take you to Iceman. And they're petitioning. You can put your name, your um, birthday, and then I think your zip code. And then you can leave a message for Tom Flores. And it's the, a campaign to get him in the football hall of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's deserving of it. The first Latino um, Mexican coach to get uh, uh, Super Bowl as a player. Uh, back up with the Kansas City Chiefs when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, two-time head coach, Super Bowl champion with the Raiders. And then also, he was a great broadcaster for the Raiders. He's done so many things for the NFL, and I can't wait. And I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, so look that up, TC. I encourage you and your listeners to go there. And I guess they're coming out with a Coors Light can, but it's only going to be in Las Vegas. So can you help me out, TC, if you ever see one of those? I don't drink, but maybe you can empty out the beer or or something like that, and then I could have that can, please. I'd really appreciate it. But, um, yeah, TC, I'm, I'm happy for football. The playoffs was good. Hopefully me and Richard get together and watch some playoff games. And, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts about the great Tom Flores? I think he's a great guy. So, you know what? It's funny. I, I've been watching that campaign, Philip, and you're going to have to tune in tomorrow because that's actually part of my terrible Tuesday. Tomorrow, so you're gonna to have to be listening in uh, about my thoughts on that campaign. But uh, you know, for the most part, yeah, everybody loves Tom Flores. He's 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 a great guy, nice guy. We understand that, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see if he gets in the Hall of Fame. I know that a lot of people have been pushing for that for for quite some time. But uh, Raider Nation is, is is very fond of him, and uh, and it is great for the Latino community uh, as well. So. There you go, brother. I appreciate. You know, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate your thoughts and your call. Hey, TC. You know, I met him uh, at a uh, remember Sports Talk eleven forty, and they had the Super Bowl parties. The big mm-hmm. they called them big game gone wild. Oh, those were some fun times. But uh, he was at a, the Super Bowl party, and uh, here he is, and he gave me a shout out for radio. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, TC, one more thing. Uh, I'm doing Special Olympics through virtual. We're still. We're still hanging in there, so thanks, TC. God bless you, and talk to you soon. Happy New Year! All right, Philip. Thanks a lot. There he is. All right, Philip. There he is. Uh, Special Olympics athlete. You know, we talk a lot, Frank, about you know high school ath- athletics have have pretty much gone by the wayside and everything. Special Olympics is another another thing. It's as you guys know, close and dear to my heart. 
And uh, those guys have been uh, unable really to get out and compete. And they've had to do things virtually like everybody else. And, uh, you know, especially for special uh, Olympics, uh, you know, athletes and, you know, people that are, you know, uh, disabled. It is very, very, very hard sometimes to be, you know, to not get out and do those things and get your exercise and, and feel like you're cooped up a little bit. So hopefully we get back to that as well, too. And another one of those things, too, where, you know, when people donate to that kind of stuff, it's kind of in a lot of people's, uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind type thing. They don't see the events going on or they don't see about upcoming events or on TV or whatever like that. So remember, all of them right now, you know, they need help more now more than maybe ever. So just like our friends at Opportunity Village with, you know, with without the magical forest and the, the Halloween things that they do in that. So, you know, it, there's a lot of things still out there that just because they're not right in front of you like you've seen in the past doesn't mean that they need any less help. It's probably the exact opposite. Absolutely. All right. So, yeah, we'll have some definitely some thoughts uh, on that campaign and everything tomorrow. Part Since of our it's Coors Light, would that be a campaign? Very nice. <laughs> there it is. The campaign. I like that. All right, uh, Numchuck, get on that. Get, get, get that can of beer because I know you're a beer drinker. You're on it. Numchuck's on it, Philip. So, so don't worry about that. All right. So we talk about what our eyes saw yesterday or maybe what our ears saw. Uh, let's talk, Frank, about, about your team. I know you're a little disgruntled, but, again, the 8-8 eight and eight Bears, come on. I mean, nice effort, valiant effort, I guess, but come on. I mean, the, you the Saints. You got to catch that pass. Yeah. And again, right at the start. I know. But even if that, that pass is caught and it's a game, I mean, the Saints let them hang around or whatever, but this game was one-sided. I mean, you, you look at the way it unfolded, the time of possession, the stats. It was, it was definitely one-sided. It took the Saints a while to get going yesterday. But, again, we saw more of Taysom Hill coming in on passing downs and actually making a pass deep in his own territory. I'm telling you, it's going to come a time during this course of the playoffs where Sean Payton is going to cost his team for continuing. We talk about Doug Peterson getting fired and his – ridiculous decision-making. We've seen that with Peyton all year. We've heard uh, Troy Aikman question him numerous times. And I'm questioning it yesterday. I mean, again, you have Drew Brees. Drew Brees is healthy. He is your quarterback. He's the guy that is going to lead you to the Super Bowl. Why are you even messing with Taysom Hill? If you want to bring him in and, and you know, to give him a few carries, but it's so obvious what's going to happen. Then when you try to outsmart you know, the opponent, what happens? You get, he throws a pick. And that dearly almost cost them yesterday against, uh, against the Bears. But when you try to be too cute, and it's like what Frank Reich has done with Jacoby Brissett. When he brings Brisket Man in there, you know what's going to happen. It doesn't do you any good. And you, you disrupt a rhythm. Phillip Rivers doesn't like it when he gets taken out. Drew Brees doesn't like it when he gets taken out. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of time. Well, it's it's interesting to me that here we are in the second week of the NFL playoffs, and it's like they're still trying to figure out how to make this duo work and what they want to do with it. This is a time of the season that you should know exactly what your game plan and everything is. They're trying to force that, you know, the square peg into the round hole in some circumstances, it seems. You mentioned Hill, and, and yeah, Hill might be their quarterback of the future. I don't know if he is or not, but they seem to think that maybe he is. But he also missed a wide-open receiver yesterday because the Bears, when they saw him in there, they just stacked the line and said, all right, we're, gonna, we're just going to go at him because we know they're going to run. There was a guy wide open that he didn't see. Now there was a little bit of pressure, but you think that maybe Drew Brees would. So I'm not sure exactly what they're doing there. I do think it's going to be interesting 
because when we talk about totals and over-unders and all that kind of stuff sometimes, how about the total of the age of the quarterbacks in this next game coming up? Breeze's birthday is January 15th. He's going to be 42. Brady's going to be 43. That's 85. <laughs> I know we're doing the it's addition like this, of birthdays now. It's like the senior bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Saints victorious uh, yesterday. Uh, take care of business over the Bears. 21-9. Respectable. Should have been 28-9. Um, there Some you people go. think it should have been twenty-one ten because yeah, they don't kick extra points these it, days. It, but. And, 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 and now that now the Bears are now the question is, do they re-sign Trubisky? Yeah, that's going to be the the talk in the off season, no doubt. You know, another thing too that we'll get to tomorrow. There's a lot of elements of this game that we're going to get to tomorrow. But uh, you know, we talked about it leading up to it that Nickelodeon was involved, and the NFL wanted to partner with Nickelodeon and to have them get involved in the broadcast and they had their own broadcast team yesterday. And I was so of course Numchuck is texting me like, Oh, you gotta listen to this. They're talking about ice cream and everything. This is really cool. I'm going. I don't. Get, I got no time. Well, there's for a this. guy that I used to do shows with that yeah. would love that that broadcast yeah. and yeah. the ice cream and everything else. But yeah, but but and, and I get that they are trying to. They have to try to do something to get some of these younger kids into football and some of the other sports out there because a lot of them are just into gaming and doing other things. We love sports. We talk about it all day, every day, even when we're not on the air. But uh, there's a lot of surveys and different things out there that, uh, you know, some of the youngsters – not really that into it, you know. They maybe know some of the players from commercials yeah. or something. I mean, they're tuning into Nickelodeon on a Sunday afternoon to watch SpongeBob or something else. I mean, you know, that, that's what they're tuning in for. They're not tuning in to watch football. But I understand where they're going to a certain degree. But just to give you a little taste, if you guys didn't get a chance to listen to any or, or watch any of it, uh, here's a Saints touchdown. Here's how they call it on Nickelodeon. Drive, please. Hand it off. Camaro plunging forward. End zone and touchdown. And- The Saints on the victory. Mitch Trubisky on the MVP. Do we get slime time? We do. As the clock runs out, Jimmy Graham, one-handed snag for the touchdown. Let's go, Jimmy. Yeah. You like that? Now there's the Jimmy Graham touchdown, the Kamara touchdown before that. Yes. Well, I don't think it plays very well on radio necessarily. And I'm wondering, I'm assuming that there must have been some visuals or something like that that they did during the game as well. Oh, yeah. Which probably plays off a lot better. So I'm sure they were sliming them Mm. virtually or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I know they have their slime awards or the Kids' Choice Awards where they slime everybody or whatever. So I'm a little bit aware of that, but. Not having children, I do not watch Nickelodeon. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that in your uh, favorites over there? No, it's one of those things that I channel surf past when I'm looking for something. (laughs) All right, we talked about the Browns taking care of the Steelers. Final 48-37 last night. Browns will now go on and take on the Chiefs this weekend. Talk about a game over early. Yes, over early. (laughs) 28-0 before you could blink. We talked about the first snap, uh, 7-0. But again, this was just one of those great spots for Cleveland. Okay, Pittsburgh has been horrendous for the last five weeks. This is a team that is is going backwards. And for people to think that, okay, Cleveland, this is going to be a special playoff run for them, not so fast. I'm not going to give up on them just yet. But again, Cleveland hasn't done this week in and week out. And their defense has given up a lot of points. In the second half, they gave up a lot of points to Pittsburgh yesterday. But this was just a perfect spot for a downtrodden Steelers team the the Browns offensively, we know that they got a great offensive line. They got a great running game. Nick Chubb was fantastic. Baker Mayfield looked spot on yesterday. But can you count on them to do this against the Chiefs 
this coming week and moving forward, I'm not so sure. But kudos. I'm still questioning their defense a little bit, the way yes. that they did let Pittsburgh get back yeah. in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Kudos to the Browns. And I'm happy they won. Our good friend Showtime Sean Porter, ecstatic. Uh and rightfully the, so. And, and and happy anniversary to Showtime Sean Porter and his lovely wife, uh, Letitia, celebrating their one year anniversary tonight, by the way, too. And uh, so there you go. I said, hey, you gotta have, you can have a double celebration celebrating your Browns and your anniversary tonight. And he says, she's not having any of that Browns talk. But uh, she, no, no celebrating the Browns. He got to do that yesterday in front of his TV. I thought it would be steaks for everybody at the Porter House. Yeah. Oh, very nice. <laughs> I will say that, that Sean will be enjoying a, uh, a nice steak dinner tonight. I had a little hand in that. I'm just so happy. Happy anniversary to, to Showtime Sean Porter. But anyway, he's happy with his Browns. I'm happy with the Browns. I don't know if they can do it again, but... Again, I just thought it was a a very good spot for them. And like you said, you know, even 14 nothing, I kind of felt this thing's pro- probably over because it was stuck in the back of my mind how Pittsburgh has played and what we've saw within the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, and again, I'm actually, to be honest with you, surprised that they came back as much as they did. But even though Cleveland was giving up some scores and Obviously, you knew the Pittsburgh was going to throw the ball. You knew they were going to throw the ball from the start of the game, whether they were ahead, yeah. behind, or whatever else the scenario was. But, but yeah, but I mean, the way that they kept on going down and scoring and getting things done as well. No, I, th- I thought it was a very impressive uh, game for them. I thought Mayfield uh, looked good in the game. But I still don't understand why somebody like Juju Smith-Schuster does what he does and that kind of stuff. I, I know it's yeah. a different era and different things, but... Man, if, if you're going to talk like that, you need to back it up. Yeah, or somebody can. needs to shut you up. Right. And Cleveland shut him up. But he's still talking. Yeah. yeah. No. You know what I liked about the Browns last night? Because every time the Steelers, they cut it to maybe a two-score game, the Browns answered immediately right after that. Yeah. And so that, that was impressive. So kudos to the Browns. Now, that game reminded me a lot of the game where they beat Tennessee down in that first half. They went on the road in Tennessee, and they beat them down, and then Tennessee came back a little bit in the second half because Cleveland let their foot off the gas. That's what that Browns-Steelers game reminded me of last night. And transitioning over to what we saw yesterday with Tennessee, uh, Baltimore uh, took care of business. Tennessee got up 10 nothing in this game. And next thing you know, Baltimore's up 20-10, to and uh, Tennessee could only muster a couple field goals after that. The Baltimore Ravens... They got a playoff victory with Lamar Jackson at the helm. Uh, we talked about the Ravens playing well, winning five in a row, coming into this game, not against the greatest competition. Jackson didn't look good in the beginning, but he, he got things going. But kudos to the Ravens' D. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because I kind of liked what the announcer said at the end of the game. Uh, I was watching it, and they were basically like, for everybody that's been ripping Lamar Jackson for his playoff woes, He's not one and two, okay? It's not like not like there's a huge sample size and this guy's been a choke for years and years and years and can never get it done. But I think part of that is also he's tended to disappear in regular season big games as well, so that all kind of goes to it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, when you saw them down ten to nothing, you kind of thought, well, you know, okay, here we go, Baltimore yeah. being Baltimore again. But no, they they, they regrouped, they got focused, and uh, you know what? Uh, there was a lot of people that were thinking that there was an upset. Myself included, that maybe that was the best chance for an upset. Uh, that was definitely not the case. Yeah. Baltimore got it done. Obviously, you could say Cleveland was probably the best chance for an upset because 
again, you start out 28 to nothing. Well, yeah. It's pretty much over. Yeah. And the most uh, competitive game of the weekend was definitely Buffalo and Indianapolis. And the Colts gave a good account of themselves. I, you know, didn't think that they would make it a that close of a game, but they, they did. Uh, Philip Rivers almost rewriting the yeah. narrative of him, almost getting that big comeback, but just falling short. Yeah, and again, Buffalo uh, play, played well. Josh Allen really played well with his legs. And, and moving forward, you know, looking at Buffalo, I know a lot of people already pencil in Buffalo and Kansas City. Maybe not so fast because, you know, now we've, we've got to look at, at Buffalo playing Baltimore. I think this is going to be a great game. Buffalo's a two-and-a-half-point choice, and we'll be breaking that game down during the course of this week. But uh, kudos for Buffalo finally getting a playoff victory. First time in a long time in the Browns. Same thing. So very happy for those two teams. And don't sleep on either one of these teams, in my opinion. No, I, I agree with you. We don't know what's going to happen. And people were so high on Buffalo going into this. For me, and I don't know, maybe you have a different thought on this, but Buffalo is still kind of an unknown commodity because as good of a season as they've had and as much as we've tried to watch them, they haven't been in all the Monday night games and the Thursday night games and the standalone and that. They still don't, I don't know how many people have actually seen a lot of Buffalo games. They've seen highlights here and there, but there's still a little bit of an unknown factor, I think, to a lot of people because they weren't super highly touted going into the season, and the networks didn't know that they were going to be the team that a lot of people are going to be latching onto. Well, remember from last year, I mean, they, they played pretty well last season, and, and, and Allen, again, despite having, what, a 59% completion percentage the last two seasons, it caught me by surprise that, okay, finally now the light's going to go on, this guy's going to get it, and now he's got the, you know, one of the highest completion percentages in the NFL this season. My question is, you know, there was all this hype last year, and he went to the playoffs against Houston, and they were leading that game into the fourth quarter, deep into the fourth quarter, had every opportunity, and then he made some bonehead mistakes. Take, took a big sack that took him out of field goal range. Same thing happened against Tennessee. Yeah. He took the big sack, and next thing you know, you're out of field goal range. you got to end up punt, uh, punt to, to Indianapolis and let them you know, have a chance again. Yeah. And then essentially hold on at the end. Yes, exactly. So I'm, I'm still not sold on Josh Allen. Is he improved? Yes. But the, at the end here, you've got you've to seal the deal here. And I think that Baker Mayfield is is farther along than him. Uh, You know, Allen gets a lot of kudos. I'm still not sold on Lamar Jackson because I don't think that against an upper echelon defense that Lamar Jackson can lead you to a victory because he has problems throwing the ball. You get a a big-time pass rusher, specifically a good cover team, which you weren't facing that in Tennessee, then Baltimore's going to exit. It's just a matter of time before they exit. But these two teams, Buffalo and Baltimore, they do play stingy defense. They're both going to probably concentrate on running the football. I, I, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, both, Curious to see what the yeah. weather's going to be like this weekend up there because it was pretty nice. And, 33 and, and sunny. Yeah, yeah. And, and for Buffalo, that, that's really nice. And I know it's going to get a lot warmer out here. I haven't mm-hmm. checked the weather for that far in advance in Buffalo yet. But you, know, you would think that there might be some nasty weather. But so far... Not the case. All right, rounding out the NFC, uh, Tampa Bay defeats Washington 31-23. to Brady in control, had a great game. Again, they they beat a team, but not one with a winning record like we yeah. talked about. Yeah. So, and, and a team that still has a lot of quarterback questions going into next season. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so Brady was great. Uh, Fournette, believe it or not, you know, without Ronald Jones playing, he showed up. That was nice. But then, you know, you look at this this Tampa Bay team, and I'd like to give them a shot against the Saints next week, even though it seems the Saints have their number because they, they lost to them pretty decisively the first two times this season. Um, 
Brady and Antonio Brown and Mike Evans, he's, they're on the right page. They're getting there, and we're not seeing a lot of those missed opportunities. But then again, it was against Washington, but coming into this game, Washington was the number two rated defense. A lot of people thought, oh, Chase Young's going to have a big game. Did we even call Chase Young's name? Was his name even mentioned? I think he had two tackles in the entire game. I think the only time I heard him call his name was when they said, and Chase Young has not been a factor. Yeah, exactly. So who, who had more tackles, Chase Young or Khalil Mack? Because those are the two guys that anchor their defenses. It was really the same thing. Yeah, and, and again, Khalil Mack watching the Bears game as I did the whole game. And I get, they, they double-team him all the time, so other players have to step up as well. But yeah, he he hasn't uh, really stood out this season like he did when the Bears first got him in that. But yeah, when it does come to the Saints, you expect them to win. I do, because they have owned Tampa Bay. But boy, whenever Brady's back there, you don't want to sell any team short with him either. But, you know... It almost seems to me like I don't know how in the NFC it's not a collision course with Breeze and Rodgers in the end. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it certainly appears to be going that direction. Well, the Rams are going to get their shot uh, going to Lambeau Field as they went on the road to beat Seattle 30-20. to And again, Wofford started the game, uh, got knocked out with a neck injury. And then Goff had to come in. Goff did not look good. You could see that the, the thumb was, was definitely a problem, but they had enough to get the job done. But why'd they win again? Because of their defense. And uh, Seattle and Russell Wilson, they, they just have problems against this Rams front four especially. And, and I thought it was interesting in that game too, the, the interception for the touchdown, the 42-yard interception that the Rams got. When they threw the stat, they said, by the way, you know how many interceptions in Madonna and a and a wide receiver screen this year? Yes, zero. Well, yeah, that that was right. the first one. Exactly. So I mean, again, which is kind of mind boggling. Yeah, when you think, it, right? It, it really is yeah. because it sets up so often. Sometimes yeah. you see the DBs jump that play, and it's just a great play. Yeah. If you're wrong on it, you're in a you're in a heap yeah. of trouble, as the as the old saying goes. But but yeah, you're right. The D, but. Boy, they need to be healthy, and they need one guy to be healthy to put some pressure on Rodgers, and then everybody else makes it a lot easier, too. They've got to pressure Rodgers in Green Bay to have any shot to win that game. And, and we've seen the Rams not really be a great road team, especially when they travel back east, and you know they lost to the Dolphins and well, you know, like you mentioned, death against Buffalo. Yeah, and, and like you said, if Goff's thumb with those pins in it, if it's still not there and he's got it going, it looks like he's probably going to have yeah. to with the injury to Wolford. If that weather's nasty, that's the kind of thing that can really make it. It's already difficult to throw in bad conditions. Yes. Yeah. Green Bay temperature uh, for a Saturday afternoon, my friends. Um, we will have a high as I am trying to scroll. And uh, i tell you, it's 28 in Chicago right now. Come on. There you go. Saturday's temperature. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. 32. High of 32, low there of 19. Go. Might be okay. Uh, snow, 50% chance on Thursday and Friday, though. There you go. All right. Uh, appreciate Steve Sachs joining us today, talking about Tommy Lasorda and his thoughts. Also, Houston Nutt breaking down the championship game tonight between Alabama and Ohio State. We'll look forward to it, man. Looking forward to the game, and uh, we'll be talking about it tomorrow along with the Terrible Tuesday. Trevor Maddich, who's on the ESPN coverage, he's going nonstop till about 3 in the morning uh, Eastern time, so... He'll recoup and join us tomorrow as we recap the game. All the years you've been doing this, you ever have a GM or a PD that um, you had to sign something for? Sign? Yeah, like Tommy Lasorda. Oh, <laughs> very nice. We'll be signing no balls here. Thank you very much. <laughs> Miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartshow.com. Fumble!